hey, look, we all want to be happy, don't we? We, we? we want to experience happiness in this life. Yes, I, I know that there are some people that we look at and we think, well, they're only happy when they're miserable, right? You've said that about some people. They're only happy if they're sad. Uh, but uh, those people don't know that they're those people. That's why we don't say it to them. And if you ask them, they would say, yeah, I want to be happy. They don't even recognize they're the type of person that's only happy when they're miserable. So the truth kind of still stands. Everybody wants to be happy. We, if you're a parent, you want your children to be happy. Some of us had children thinking they would make us happy. We were wrong. Just kidding, children. Uh, you make us happy. You make us so happy. Well, we want you to be happy. If we can't be happy, then we want you to be happy. If you're a grandparent, I bet you want your grandchildren to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. Here's a question for you to think about. When was the last time you were really happy? Like, what were you doing? Who were you with? What was the occasion? What was happening the last time you remember being really happy? If you're watching this with a couple of other people, tell those other people. Just kind of share amongst yourselves. What were you doing? Who were you with? Uh, what was the occasion when you were the most, the last time you were happy? Uh, or you could put it in the comments. You can just say, last time I remember happy, being happy, or the happiest I've ever been was, something like that. You, you could put that in the comments. Look, we want to be happy. And because we want to be happy, and because we remember times we were happy, we can treat happiness as a pursuit, as something we're we're trying to gain or something we're trying to get. I want to find happiness. I want to discover happiness. I want to do what makes me happy. And, and there's no small amount of advice when it comes to happiness and joy. Books have been written, articles have been written, podcasts are made all about how to be happy. And much of the advice that you find in, in those resources, they can be helpful. They say things like prioritize time to do the things that make you happy. Uh, eliminate the things that make you unhappy. Stay away from negative, toxic people that make you unhappy. Think happy thoughts. Whistle a happy tune. Like there's all, these, uh, all this advice and recommendations for how to be happy. But there are a couple of realities that you and I have to face if we really want to live a life of happiness. For instance, one of the realities is we are often confused about what really brings happiness. And not only are we confused, we don't know we're confused because we start pursuing things that we think will bring us happiness and then we get those things and, and we're not happy. Like we're, we're often confused about what will bring happiness into our life. It's like the elusive pursuit of the end of the rainbow. We know, we've been told, at the end of the rainbow is a pot of gold. If I could just get there. And so you see a rainbow and you, you think, oh, well, it ends over there. But the truth is, if you went over there where you thought it ended, that's really not where 
it ends. The, the pursuit of happiness in some ways can be like that. If, if only we could get to this point in life, if, if only we could find this thing, if we could reach this goal, if, if we could be in this set of circumstances, then we would be happy, but we're so often confused. Because so often we get that and we're not happy. Sometimes we look at other people who aren't happy and we think to ourselves, well, if I had what they had, I would be happy. If I made what they made, if I lived where they lived, if I drove what they drove, if I was married to who they're married to, then that would make me happy. But they have all of those things and they're not happy. And chances are you could get all of those things and still not be happy. I've recommended, I think on social media a couple of times, a podcast called The Happiness Lab. It's by a Yale University professor named Laurie Santos. And, and she talks about this subject of pursuing and finding happiness and being a happy person. It's not a religious podcast. I don't agree with everything that they say on the podcast, but it's incredibly helpful. And the subject of many of the podcasts is this idea that what most people are trying to achieve to gain happiness doesn't in the end bring them happiness they race and they climb and they schedule and they claw but they're confused about what will really bring happiness sometimes it seems like in life happiness is just out of reach we're almost there but if one or two things happened in our life then we would really be happy if, if we if we just got to that other place Happiness often seems just out of it. It seems elusive, uh, like driving at night and trying to drive fast enough that you catch up with the beam of your, high, uh, of your headlights, right? You're, you're never going to catch them because they just keep moving away. Sometimes in this life, the pursuit of happiness seems like that. We can go faster and faster and try harder and harder, but never get there or Sometimes the things that we believe will bring happiness, they, they bring a moment of joy. They, they bring a moment of enjoyment or excitement or happiness, but it tends to be short-lived, right? The, the reality is most of what we chase in hopes of finding happiness provides at best a short-term sense of enjoyment. Most of what we're chasing after, most of what in our minds we think that will bring me happiness, if it brings anything, it's short-term, right? Sort of like vacations. You're, you're probably like me. Vacations are never long enough. You plan vacations, you calendar vacations, you save money for vacations, and then you go and you spend all of the money and you do all of the things that you plan. And, and, and there's a moment of enjoyment, but then suddenly you're packing up and you're coming back and the moment is gone. And so all you can do is plan for the next one. We, we get in this cycle of always planning for the, the next bit of happiness. And, and, and so often, it's very short-lived. Now, we need vacations. We, we need planned moments of 
enjoyment and happiness. It's good for us physically and emotionally and even spiritually. We need those, but we can get caught in this cycle of constantly thinking the next thing is going to bring lasting happiness or just constantly planning short bursts of, it, of happiness so that we have something to look forward to. But that can't be all that happiness is. I mean, happiness has to be more than just fruitless pursuits of things that don't really make us happy or continual pursuits of things that bring short-term happiness. There, there has to be some abiding sense of happiness that we can tap into. Here's part of our problem. It's kind of the ironic twist when it comes to happiness, and it's this. Pursuing happiness doesn't lead to happiness. Happiness as a goal tends to leave us unfulfilled. And, and some of us think of happiness that way. Well, I just want to be happy. I want to do what makes me happy. I want to be with people that make me happy. I want to be happy. The problem is pursuing happiness for happiness sake is always unfulfilling. Instead, we have to pursue what leads to a life of happiness. Happiness as a goal is ultimately unfulfilling. Pursuing things that lead to happiness is what teaches us to live a life of joy and happiness. Lasting, ongoing happiness is found by pursuing the right goals or becoming the right person, right? That's another aspect of the Happiness Lab podcast is this idea that the things that bring happiness often aren't the obvious ones. It's often counterintuitive what will bring a lasting sense of joy and, and calm and goodness and, and fulfillment in our lives. It's often not very obvious, which is the point that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapters 5 through 7 are what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's Jesus' longest message that we have recorded in Scripture. It's probably his most famous message. Most people have at least heard a little bit about, or you've heard parts of this message, if, if you're not familiar with, with the whole message. Jesus lays out in the Sermon on the Mount what it would look like if we lived according to the kingdom of God. If we lived from the perspective of eternity and, and God's kingdom. Here's part of Jesus' point. Viewing life from a kingdom perspective leads to happiness. Jesus came to demonstrate, Jesus came to teach that the kingdom of God on earth is possible. It's, it's possible to bring the kingdom of God to earth, he even prays this in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So on the Sermon on the Mount and in Jesus' life, Jesus was constantly showing us this is what it would look like if you lived 
from a kingdom perspective, if the kingdom came to earth, Jesus said at one point to his disciples, the kingdom of God is not far off. The kingdom of God is right here. It's not some distant place. It's near you, Jesus said to his disciples. Some translations even have Jesus saying, it's within you. The kingdom of God is here. If we would live according to it, we would experience continual, ongoing joy. Happiness would not have to be this elusive search in our life. Another point that Jesus is making in the Sermon on the Mount is that happiness is not out there somewhere. Happiness is about who we are. Happiness is not out there somewhere to be pursued outside of us. It's what God wants to do inside of us. This is how Matthew chapter 5 begins. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Jesus, if you read uh, chapter 4, Jesus was teaching and healing people and it attracted huge crowds as it would do all throughout his ministry. More and more people crowded around. But Matthew chapter 5 tells us that Jesus went farther up the mountain, a little bit harder climb, a farther distance away. And apparently, according to what Matthew says, the crowd didn't follow him. Only his disciples followed him. And, and, and maybe that's because this message that he gave, this Sermon on the Mount, wasn't for the crowds. Maybe Jesus knew the crowds were not going to accept this message. This was a message for the followers. This was a message for the committed. Those, we call them disciples. Those who truly wanted to follow after Jesus. Jesus gave this message to that group of people. You see, the crowd won't like Jesus' approach to happiness. Right? The general person, the general crowd, if, if they're pursuing happiness, if they say they want, want happiness in their life, they're not going to like what Jesus has to say about happiness. It's going to be the person who really wants to follow after Jesus who's going to accept what Jesus has to say. If you took Jesus' words at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 and you showed it to someone and you said, do you think this is what happiness looks like? Most people, the crowd of people would say, no way, that's not happiness. But Jesus had a kingdom view. Jesus knew what would lead to not momentary happiness, but ongoing happiness. And he describes that life in a short section at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount that we call the Beatitudes. It just means blessing or the blessed sayings. Jesus is going to make eight statements about what a happy life really looks like. This is the first one in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Each line of the Beatitudes, we're, we're going to go through them one by one. Each line begins with the word blessed. And it, it, it really means more than what we think of as, as happy, but, but it, it means happy. It means deeply satisfied. It means contented. 
fulfilled. It, it means the deep joy of the soul. Jesus is trying to say to his disciples, he's trying to say to his followers, if you really want to be content, if you want to be deeply satisfied in this life and the next, if you want to find a deep joy for your soul, here's where you start. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Usually, when we use the word blessed, we equate it with having something, right? We equate it with gaining. We equate it with owning. We're blessed if we get something. Jesus flips that on his head and says, no, you will find happiness to the degree that you don't have anything, that you are poor. Think about the word poor or or poverty. This is not a value statement on people who find themselves in poverty. I'm just talking about the concept, the word. What does it mean to be poor or in poverty? It means you don't have resources. Like you, you can't supply for yourself. You, you don't have resources of, uh, of strength, of, uh, of economy. You, you aren't self-reliant, right? You, you aren't self confident you you are utterly without you have nothing to bring you have nothing to give jesus says blessed are the poor in spirit he's not making a social statement here the rest of the bible talks about economic poverty and how we should respond to people who are in poverty he's not he's not talking about economic Poverty. He's talking about personal poverty. When you're emotionally depleted, spiritually depleted, personally depleted, when, when you have nothing to bring, nothing to, when you are bankrupt, emotionally, spiritually, personally, Jesus says you're blessed. Blessed are you when you realize you have nothing to give and nothing to depend on and nothing to fall back on. Because when you realize that, you will begin to trust in the one who has everything. You will recognize at a whole new level your need for Jesus. Not just a desire to have a little of Jesus on the side. Not, not, not just occasionally talk about Jesus. When you realize that you have nothing at all of yourself, you recognize your great need for the one who has everything. D Dallas, Dallas Willard wrote about it this way. Blessed are the spiritual zeros, the spiritually bankrupt, deprived and deficient, the spiritual beggars, those without a wisp of religion when the kingdom of the heavens comes upon them. Jesus, with this opening statement of the Beatitudes, destroys the idea that we have to somehow have it all together when we come to him. Jesus destroys the idea that we have to know everything about the Bible, everything about God. We, we have to have a theological degree in order to come to him. Jesus says right at the beginning, you know what brings happiness to somebody? Is when they realize they don't know it all. They don't have it all. They don't have the resources for strength and happiness and joy within themselves because that will cause them to turn to the one who has everything. 
Jesus would spend his ministry around the poor in spirit. Do you ever notice that? He would spend his ministry, he would give most of his time to the people who knew they had nothing to offer him, who knew that they had no resources on their own, the marginalized, the left out. Let me give you a couple of examples. In Luke 18, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Like a little child, not like someone who can't explain everything, who can't give who, who, who can't even be depended on, someone with no resources in themselves. Matthew chapter 9, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I've come to call those who recognize I have nothing to give to Jesus. I have nothing to offer to Jesus. Luke chapter 14, he says, but when you give a banquet... Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Invite those who have nothing to offer, nothing to give you. Jesus came to announce that the spiritually, personally, emotionally destitute were finding joy. The spiritual zeros were gaining acceptance into the kingdom of heaven. Because, listen, it is only when we we realize that we have nothing to offer and nothing to give that we will reach for the all-sufficient one. The path into the kingdom, the path into joy is not realizing how great I am. It's realizing how empty I am and how much I need the wonderful gift that Jesus provides for me. His forgiveness, his salvation, his mercy, his grace, his joy, his happiness. That I can't produce happiness within myself. But when I realize my need for Jesus, he gives me happiness. Paul highlights this in Ephesians chapter 2. He writes, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions. You had nothing to give to Jesus. You weren't even alive spiritually. You didn't have a breath. You had nothing to offer. Jesus didn't save you because you were some wonderful, awesome person who had figured it all out. That's, that, that's not how you came into relationship with Jesus. Paul says, it's like you were dead. You had nothing to give. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been Say You had nothing to offer Jesus. You brought nothing to the table. You can today bring nothing to the table and Jesus will give you everything. Paul goes on to write uh, in a few verses after that. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. The spiritually empty. The spiritually, dry, the spiritually depleted. The emotionally depleted recognizing that they have nothing are the ones who get to receive everything from God through Jesus. You can't earn it. 
You can't be smart enough or good enough. You can't figure it all out. You just have to come and be blessed because you're poor in spirit. You have nothing to offer. See, the first thing that Jesus does in this incredible message is he throws the doors to the kingdom of heaven wide open. And he says, you don't have to have it all figured out or put together to come in. You can receive the kingdom of heaven when you recognize your need. Not when you recognize your greatness. You can find a deeply satisfying, contented, happy, joyful life when you realize Jesus is everything. You don't have anything. It's not that you aren't valuable. I mean, Jesus values you enough to offer this gift to you. It's just that the value isn't in you. The value is that Jesus has set his love on you. You can be poor in spirit and be happy. As a matter of fact, the only way to live in ongoing happiness is to realize Jesus provides everything for me. Jesus gives everything to me. I I don't know about you, but I can become pretty self-reliant if given the chance. I can can become pretty self-confident in my ability to figure things out and accomplish things and, and achieve things. I can depend on me a lot. And Jesus says, to the degree... That you're putting all of your confidence on you is the degree to which you're going to miss happiness. Instead, realize you're poor in spirit. Realize you have nothing to offer, but the God who made everything loved you enough to give you eternal life, to give you his kingdom. And when I do that, it takes the pressure off. And I don't have the pressure to to perform and and earn something. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to prove anything to God. I don't have to prove anything to you. I can just admit, you know what? I'm poor in spirit. I don't don't have all the resources I need. I don't have all the answers that I'd like to have. I hadn't figured everything out. I just come to Jesus and, and I let him give me his gifts. I let him fill me up with his life and his joy. I I view things, we view things from an eternal perspective, from the kingdom perspective. Listen, if you feel depleted today, if you feel like you're not enough, you you don't have enough, you, you feel like others are doing better than you are, others have figured things out that you haven't figured out yet, you are in the perfect place to experience happiness. You are in the perfect place to experience the kingdom of God. Because when we realize we don't have enough is when we find out God is more than enough. He turns our weaknesses into strengths. In, our, in place of our foolishness, he gives us his wisdom. The path to ongoing joys to realize I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I don't have to bring anything. I just rest in the joy and the goodness of what Jesus has done for me. 
Listen, if you've, if you've never trusted Jesus to be the savior of the world, today is the day for you. Do that. You don't have to bring anything. You, you don't have to have some big answer. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to have your life all put together today. You just have to believe I'm nothing and he's everything. I'm poor in spirit, but he is the gift of God's spirit to me. When we realize we, we have nothing, then he becomes everything to us. And if you've never just trusted him, believed Jesus is the Savior, that he died and rose again for you, received his forgiveness, allowed Jesus to begin putting his joy into your life, why don't you do that today? Why don't you give your life over to Jesus this moment? Just tell him right now, God, God, I don't have anything, but I believe Jesus is everything. I've messed up in my life, but I believe Jesus forgives me through his death and resurrection. I want to follow him. I don't want to just be a part of the crowd that shows up whenever something fun is happening, shows up every time something interesting is. I want to follow you to the top of the mountain. I want to hear everything you have to say. Give your life to him today. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to help you get started in this life of following Jesus. You can just put in the comments, I I prayed to receive Christ today. Or or you can DM us through Facebook. You can email us here at the church. We'll pray with you. We'll follow up with you. We'll, We'll help you find a time to be baptized, to declare that you're a follower of Jesus. Just come to him. And the beautiful thing about the first beatitude is Jesus gets rid of all the barriers. There's nothing that should hinder you from coming to Jesus when you realize he did everything. Give your life to him today. God, I pray you would help us to live lives of joy and happiness. We get so caught up in improving ourselves and being self-reliant and improving how smart we are. When you told us the path to happiness is It's just realizing Jesus is everything. I'm not everything. Jesus is everything. I'm nothing. I don't have anything to bring. It's not on me. I don't have anything to prove. This world is not dependent on me. I can release all of that pressure. I can just enjoy being in relationship with Jesus for this life and for the next life. God, teach us to not set our hopes and our happiness in this life only. God, help us not to set our hopes and our happiness on what we achieve and accomplish in the short lifespan we have here, but to set our joy on Jesus because that joy will last for eternity. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's all of us. We just have to recognize it. And when we do, We gain access to the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for that beautiful gift. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.